What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, being a priest is not a hobby, it's a job. And like any job, it's work. Last, last Wednesday prayer meeting, we all gathered at the prayer meeting here, the chapel. We worked as priests unto God. It was work. As priests unto God, we made our lists, you know, 30, 40 items, and we prayed for every single one. We worked. And as we prayed, I take my pen, I check them off as we pray. And as a priest unto God, Jean was there, and she worked so hard that when she prayed for the people of Nepal, she wept. She wept. And when she wept, all I could think of was to say to God, God, please tell an angel, quick, run, go get a bottle and collect Jean's tears for a bottle of remembrance like David prayed in Psalm 56, 8. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. When a priest unto God sheds tears, others may not understand that, but those tears of a priest unto God, they're powerful because the tears of a priest unto God are tears unto God. As Job put it in Job 16.20, my friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. And in verse four, we see Boaz as a priest unto God. And he's asking the Lord to be with the reapers. And so as a priest unto God, when Boaz prays in verse four for the Lord to be with his reapers, he's not just well-wishing those reapers. He, as a priest unto God, he knew that he had authority from God to pray for those reapers. He knew that he had power from God when he prayed for those reapers. He knew that he had responsibility to God to pray for those reapers. And when we look at Boaz, the priest unto God in verse four, praying for the reapers, we see what we're to do as priests unto God as we pray for others because Boaz, because like Boaz, we're all priests unto God. We have authority from God. We have authority from God to pray for others. We have power from God to pray for others, and we have responsibility to God to pray for others. Therefore, we don't pray for others because we wanna pray for others. We pray for others because we are responsible to God to pray for others. And then we see in verse five that Boaz notices that there's a stranger in his field. 
And so he asked the foreman in verse 5, then said Boaz unto a servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And Boaz has observed, there's a stranger over there. It's a stranger in my field. And he wants to know about this stranger. And now when Boaz gets the report about her, we can just see Boaz, we just see him, the things are percolating through his mind as the foreman's given him the report. And he says, you know, he's finding out for the first time. In verses six and seven, the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it's the Moabitish damsel. And we see it registered in his mind, Moabitish damsel. And that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And we see registered and came back, Moabitish, came back. And she said, I pray you. And she said, I pray you. Let me glean, gather the reapers among the sheaves. And so she came, and he registered, she came. And hath continued, and registered, she continued, even from the morning until now that she tarried in the house just a little bit. And so now we can see Boaz, he's registering all these points in his mind. And he's getting impressed with them. And, he, and the first point, she's a Moabitish damsel. She's not a Jewish person. She's Moabitish. The second point, she came back with Naomi. And then she says, she's the kind of person that says, I pray you. Then she says, he says, she came, and then she's continued. We can see him. He's taking all this in. He's understanding who Ruth is. So the first point that really impresses Boaz from verse 6, it's the Moabitish damsel. And when Boaz hears that, it's the Moabitish damsel, from the way the foreman has put it, he's put it, it's the Moabitish damsel. You know, and we come to understand that everyone in town has been talking about the Moabitess damsel, you know, and Ruth has become the topic of gossip. And, oh, did you hear about the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi? Whew, no, a Moabitish damsel? You don't say, that's awful. Yes, it is. It's awful for us. What if one of our fine young men takes an interest, wants to marry this Moabitish damsel? Then what are we going to do? The foreman, he didn't say, it's a Moabitish damsel. He said, it's the Moabitish damsel. As if to say, you know the one who I'm talking about. It's the talk of the town. Everyone wishes she never would have come here to our town, and everyone's wondering how long it's going to take and how many cold shoulders it's going to take before we drive her out. It's the Moabitish damsel that's come to your field. It was really hard for Ruth. You feel it? It was hard for Ruth, and we can get an idea of just how hard it was for Ruth when we consider those three words, the Moabitish damsel, and also the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was giving the account of the Good Samaritan, he emphasized something. And by the way, it's not a parable of the Good Samaritan. It really happened. And so Luke 10.30, he said, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound him up with his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. See, the words that the Lord Jesus Christ emphasized by repeating them twice are the words passed by on the other side. See, this poor man, he's stripped, he's beaten, he's left for dead, he was half dead. 
And the first two people they come, the first one was a certain priest, and the Lord said that when he saw him, then he just went over to the other side to not see him. I don't want to get involved. I don't see him. I see him, but I don't see him. And the second person was a Levite who the Lord said, he came and he looked on him. He said, well, I got to get a better look at this. Look at this. And he says, I can't believe it, what I'm seeing. And so he actually came over and, and just looked and examined. He wanted to get this better look. And after his curiosity was satisfied, then he passed over to the other side. But the Lord used the same word for saw and look, which is edo in Greek, and to describe what all three men did. All three men came to the wounded man. All three men saw him. But there was one man, the Good Samaritan, in which there was a difference. And it was all because he had compassion on him. That's what made the difference. He had compassion on him. He was a Samaritan. Why did Samaritan? Because he knew what it was like to be an outcast. The Samaritan knew. And you know, it's interesting, when the 10 lepers were cleansed and nine of them just went their way, said, well, it was, a, it was a bad day, it was a bad history, I'll forget about it now, and now I'm gone. But one of them turned back and gave thanks during this time of Thanksgiving. One of them turned back, and he was a Samaritan. He was the only Samaritan. Why was it just the Samaritan? Because the Samaritan, being in the Jewish country, where he was not Jewish, and being cleansed by the Jewish Messiah, and he was not Jewish, he felt so undeserving. I don't deserve to be cleansed by the Jewish Messiah in the Jewish country. But he was, and because he felt so undeserving, he's the one who turned back and gave thanks. We will give thanks to God to the measure that we see ourselves undeserving. That's the lesson that comes from there. And the lesson that comes from this good Samaritan is that he felt compassion because he'd been there. And the word compassion means to feel with. And the good Samaritan, he saw the wounds on the man. He felt the pain of the man. The good Samaritan saw how this man had been abandoned. And he had felt what it's like to be forsaken and to be abandoned. He saw the nakedness. He felt the coldness. He saw the wounds. He felt the pain. He saw the condition. He was there with that man. He had compassion. He felt with the man. Maybe the good Samaritan felt it because as a Samaritan, maybe he had been ostracized. Maybe he had been forsaken. Maybe he had been beat up. We don't know. But whatever had happened, he was there and he felt it. And Boaz heard that this was the Moabitish damsel, and Boaz had compassion on her. When Boaz heard in verse 6 that it was the Moabitish damsel, Boaz, he had compassion. He felt her pain. He felt her rejection. He felt her not being accepted in his society. He said that. He said, you came to a country, you came to a people, a country you didn't know. He felt it. And when Boaz heard in verse 6 that she had, he had compassion, and so it's very important that we see this about Boaz because his feeling of compassion for her, where he felt her pain of which she left her country. She felt her pain when she left her people. He felt her pain when she left her family. And then in verse 7, when the foreman is saying to him, I, they, she, you know, she said to me, I pray you, let me. He feels her feeling of desperacy. She's begging. And he feels that. 
And then when Boaz heard that she wanted to come after the reapers, Boaz had compassion. He felt her loneliness and her isolation of being all alone there in the field with no friends and her fear, maybe she's gonna be attacked. She, he felt all that. And he heard in verse seven that she'd worked from sunrise with practically no breaks. He has compassion and he felt her fear of not knowing where her next food's gonna come from. And so when he hears that the foreman has told him all about her in verses six and seven, Boaz, like the good Samaritan, he has compassion. Let's freeze that scene. Let's freeze that scene in our minds of Boaz hearing and having compassion and ask ourselves the question, how about us? Are we like Boaz? When we see others, do we let our heart become so vulnerable that we feel compassion with them? It's so easy for us to go in life and we see, but we don't have compassion. We see others, we don't have compassion. It's so easy for us to listen to people and not really hear them. It's so easy for us to touch other people and not feel them. Because it's so easy for us to see the lost and not have compassion on them. It's so easy for us to listen to the lost and not hear what they're really saying. It's so easy for us to touch the lost and not feel them. We see and listen to and touch the lost in their aloneness, in their desperation, in their anxiety over the future, and we don't have compassion. We don't hear it, we don't feel it. Oh, for a heart like Boaz had, like the Good Samaritan had, like Boaz had, where he felt Ruth's anxiety and her fear and her isolation and her loneliness. Now, in verse eight, with this report from the foreman, Boaz is, is, is at a crossroads now. He's at a crossroads, he's gotta make a decision. Because the way that the foreman has put it to Boaz, he's stacking the deck. It's the Moabitish woman, it's a Moabitish damsel. It's that Moabitish woman, and there she is. And so Boaz has to make a decision uh, whether he's gonna be the Boaz that's ashamed of Ruth in his field, or is he gonna be the Boaz that's not ashamed of Ruth in his field? Because if Boaz is gonna be the Boaz that was ashamed of Ruth in his field, then Boaz would have taken this turn. He would have, he, he would have said, give her some money. Give her some money and just ask her to quietly leave the field and not broadcast that she's, she's Ruth the Moabitess was his relative. Okay? If Boaz was ashamed of having Ruth in his field, then Boaz would have done anything to get her out of the field. Okay? Because if Boaz was ashamed of Ruth, the conversation between Boaz and his foreman would have gone something like this. In Ruth 2, verse six and seven, the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel, Boaz. Oh no, I don't want a Moabitish damsel in my field. Then he says, that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Naomi, she must be the widow of Naomi's son. Oh no, that means this Moabitish damsel is related to me. And that's a real disaster. We have a problem. We have a problem on our hands. We not only have a Moabite woman working in the field, we have a Moabite woman who's related to me working in the field. We gotta get rid of her. My reputation's at stake as she has to go and never be seen near me again. And then verse seven, and she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. The Boaz said, why did you let her into the field? Why did you say yes? And then the verse goes on, so she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Oh, he says, it gets worse. 
This Moabite woman does not, she doesn't make herself scarce. She's around here, she's there, she's out there all day long in broad daylight. At least she spent more time in the rest house, the neighbors wouldn't see her. But Boaz is not that Boaz. He is just the opposite. And instead the conversation between Boaz and the foreman goes more like this. Servant, uh, verse six, servant said, said over the reapers, answered and said, it's a Moabitish damsel. A Moabitish damsel, that's interesting. I have a heart to reach the lost Moabites with the knowledge of God. It's wonderful that God sent a Moabite to show that I can show the love of God to. And then that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Boaz says, wait, you're telling me that this Moabite young lady has come back with Naomi out of the country of Moab? You're telling me that she has bravely left her idols to come to God? You're telling me that she's bravely left her idol-worshiping country of Moab to come to God? You're telling me that she has bravely left her idol-worshiping Moabite people to come to God? She's bravely left her idol-worshiping Moabite family to come to God? You're telling me that she's bravely come out of Moab and it's God's to come with Naomi to her God? We're so fortunate to have such a brave woman like this in our field. And verse seven, and she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Boaz, you mean that she wants to come to my field? and glean and gather after my reapers? You mean that you didn't ask such a brave woman to come into my field? You mean that she asked if she could come to my field? We're so honored. We're so honored to have such a brave woman to come into the field. For an example, example to everyone, what does it mean to follow God at any cost? So she came, verse seven, she came, and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Oh, he says, and Boaz says, oh, he said, this is unbelievable. So now you're telling me that not only did this wonderful, brave woman ask to come to the field, but now you're telling me that she's worked nonstop from morning till now and takes very short breaks? This is incredible. He says, all of my workers should look at her. <laughs> he says, she's not only a brave woman, she's diligent. We are so blessed to have this wonderful, brave, diligent woman in our field. Give her prominence in the field. Tell everyone, I want her protected, given a place of honor. See, the picture of Boaz, not ashamed of Ruth, is a challenge for us. Because in that picture, Ruth is like the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are like Boaz. Ruth was like the Lord Jesus Christ because of the place they both came from. Ruth was despised because she was from Moab, and Moab was a despised place. And the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because he was from Nazareth, and Nazareth was a despised place. As it says in John 1.46, Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? The Lord Jesus Christ was thought to have come out of Galilee, and because of that, he was despised, as it says in John 7, 41 through 42. Others said, this is the Christ? But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said, Christ come out of the seed of David, out of, Beth out of Bethlehem? So they answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? John 7, 52. Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. See, the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because he was not from Jerusalem. And Ruth was despised because she was not from Israel. And the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because he didn't study under some great famous rabbi like Gamaliel. And the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because his father was a carpenter and his family wasn't wealthy. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because, relatively speaking, he was young compared to the old learned men with their long gray beards. And so just as Ruth was despised for her background, the Lord Jesus Christ is despised for his background. But Boaz was not ashamed of Ruth. And the question is, are we ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? And because Boaz openly associated himself with Ruth. He wanted everyone to know, I'm not ashamed of Ruth. And do we openly tell everyone that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not ashamed of him? The Lord Jesus Christ made it very crystal clear that now is the time we need to go out of our way to not be ashamed of him, as he said in Mark 8.38. Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. He made it very clear that to not be ashamed of him, it'll have a cost. But it's worth it. It's worth it, as he said in Mark 10, 32, 38. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I came to send peace on earth. I am not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me, not worthy of me. See, sometimes to not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, it costs. And it costs splitting a home right down the middle. I like my Jewish friend uh, in New York who received the Lord Jesus Christ just from watching my testimony DVD. And then when he told his wife, she told him, we can't live together anymore. And, And they've been married for over 30 years. And my friend, he didn't blink. And he told her, I'm not turning back from the Lord Jesus. Fortunately, she blinked. And she didn't move out, thank God. But it has happened where to not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ has cost a Christian his spouse. And if a Christian stands firm as my friend did and is not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into that Christian's life is not coming with peace at the home but it's equivalent of a sword in the home. And if a man will find, and a man may find that his own enemies are right there in his own household. And the only way for that Christian to survive is to take up his cross. But if a person buckles under the pressure and is ashamed of the Lord Jesus and denies him when the Lord Jesus said that he would deny that person, and it so much comes down to what a person does under pressure, which is why he puts it in the individual with the him, him, him. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. Whosoever deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father. This is what Samuel meant when he told King Saul that Jehovah Jesus had rejected him from being king anymore. And he said in 1 Samuel 2.30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me will I honor. Them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
David made it a point to speak openly of the Lord before kings who did not believe in the Lord and to not be ashamed of him when he said in Psalm 119, verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.